Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everybody. Today we're talking about butts and crap sandwiches. I'm sure you've all eaten a crap sandwich before. How was it? Send me a message and let me know. No, really. I think a lot of you know what I mean. There's an old theory that goes like this. When you see someone doing something wrong, tell them something positive. Address the bad behavior and then follow up with another positive. Give them something good, dish out the poop, and then give them something else tasty at the end. Before I ever got into the safety profession, I painted houses and apartments for a living. It was my first experience working for myself. So if I didn't get the job done, I didn't get paid. Production mattered. One time, I had a couple apartments to paint, and for lunch, went through a drive through and I got a chicken sandwich, some fries, and hurried back to the apartment complex. I started eating that chicken sandwich, and two bites in, I noticed it was raw in the middle. Not like a little undercooked, but straight, pink, raw chicken. As soon as I bit into that salmonella chicken, I felt like I was going to puke or maybe even die. At no point did I think, man, that bun was so tasty. Instead, I was pissed because I didn't have time to go get another lunch. All I remembered was the crap in the middle. It's a common misperception, thinking that we should sandwich negative reinforcement between a couple positives. Unfortunately, a lot of people are taught that myth. So let's talk about buts. But is a verbal eraser. It erases everything that came before it. In the safety world, it usually goes like this. I notice you have all your PPE on, but you are standing on the rail of the lift and need to keep your feet on the floor. By the way, I appreciate all the hard work you do. Feed them a nice tasty bun dish out that raw chicken, and follow up with some hot fries. The other thing about butt is it can trigger the limbic brain. We start by giving them some kind of positive reinforcement, trying to take them to the prefrontal to contemplate the good that comes with the right safe behaviors. And then we throw out the butt. And the minute we do, we trigger the threat response. The butt becomes the tiger in the room. Whatever happened before it doesn't even matter anymore. There's also a superior-inferior complex going on here. Do we really think the worker is too dumb to know what we really want to talk about? I guarantee you, most people see right through this. They can clearly see the butt. Even if they weren't self-aware, their subconscious would do it for them. Maybe the communicator means well. But it doesn't change the fact that the worker knows almost immediately what you really want to talk about. Everything that comes after the but. I think a lot of leaders genuinely mean well and want to give positive reinforcement to their workers. They just rarely receive education and development in the practice. So their well-intended efforts rarely produce the results they desire. And it's the same thing with the statement I just made. I don't really want to talk about how leaders mean well. I'm just doing that to soften the blow. 
What I really want to talk about is getting better at reinforcing good behavior in the right way. So I'm going to share with you some common errors and failed attempts to deliver positive reinforcement and some thoughts on getting better with the practice. Some of these concepts come from Bringing Out the Best in People by Aubrey Daniels. It's a great read on reinforcing behavior. Error number one, the perception error. People are reinforced by different things. There is no one-size-fits-all. Positive reinforcement that works for one does not work for another. That in itself creates a great challenge. We have to tailor positive reinforcement to the unique personalities of unique humans. We can't just create some reward program that will work for everybody. We also have to spend a lot of time getting to know people and what specific type of reinforcement works best for them. Think about money. There are some people that would be reinforced well with a $100 gift card. But what about Elon Musk? Would his positive behavior be adequately reinforced with $100? What about a 1000 How much money would it take to reinforce positive behavior of Jeff Bezos? Do we even have that kind of money lying around unspent in our safety budget? The more money someone makes, the less effective a $100 gift card or fancy coffee cup becomes. Another one is public recognition. And this is a weird one with a both or true element. Sometimes we put on a big show of positive reinforcement where we recognize someone in front of a large audience. They act all shy and bashful when we do it, and we unintentionally tap into public speaking anxiety. Although well-intended, we didn't make them feel good. We just gave them a bunch of anxiety. But here's the both or true weird part. On one hand, if you give praise to someone in front of their peers, the peers might make fun of them. Hey, you kissing up to the boss or something like that? So you might find that some people really don't like praise in front of peers because they get made fun of or get a little public speaking anxiety or some of both. But if we do it in a way where we don't make a big show out of it and we do it consistently and uniquely based on the specific types of reinforcement that work with different personality types, we are also showing other people in the organization that we are trying. We are also showing them that we value the concept of reinforcing and recognizing the good behaviors, and we are showing them what specific behaviors receive positive reinforcement. So tread carefully on public recognition. It's definitely one of those good or bad ideas based on who and how you do it. The first step toward improving our positive reinforcement is getting to know people, what their desires and reinforcers are. Then we have to try those things out with them. And even then, we will probably make a mistake or two. So a follow-up is required to improve our delivery. After we make an attempt to find out what motivates people, we need to try to motivate them. Then we need to go back and ask them what they thought about our attempt, get some feedback, modify, and redirect. It's a practice that takes time and development and constant engagement. But here's the good thing. 
Even when we screw up and deliver the wrong reinforcement for the wrong personality type, people are a lot more forgiving of genuine efforts to give praise than they are of poorly delivered punishment. If we go up to them after we attempted to reinforce their positive behaviors and just ask them, hey, I'm trying to get better at reinforcing my guys. What did you think about what I did? Even if you gave the wrong type for the wrong personality, they will be much more forgiving than if you just do what you think they should like and move on. Plus, whatever they say back to you will be an opportunity to get to know them better and redirect your efforts the next time. And speaking of next time, they will see your efforts. They will know you really are trying, that you are genuine, and they will continue to give you feedback. Learn, try, ask for feedback, rinse, and repeat. Error number two, the contingency error. With this one, can you get the positive reinforcement without doing the correct behavior? Think about our history of rewards for lack of incidents. When we give people rewards, money, safety luncheons, tokens to buy stuff from a catalog, all for not having incidents, were they really behaving safely? How many times did they do something risky, no one got hurt, no one got caught, and they received the reward anyway? The positive reinforcer was not contingent on safe behavior. It was contingent on the luck factor of not having an incident. And it could even unintentionally reinforce the bad behavior of covering up incidents. Sometimes, especially with corporate reward programs, people get the reward even when they don't do the right thing. I love this exercise from Bringing Out the Best in People. It's a fill-in-the-blank exercise to generate awareness to contingency. You can get blank if and only if you do blank. Take your rewards program and fill in the blanks. You can get blank if and only if you do blank. How contingent is the reward based on only and if? Can some workers receive the reward even if they don't do the right thing? Could some people be receiving rewards even if they do the wrong thing? When we are thinking about rewards, we should use this exercise. You can get blank if and only if you do blank to determine how effective it will be. Focus on only and if. Here's a good example of this. You only get a reward if you generate some new effective safety management idea while you are on the safety committee. You don't get a participation trophy for just showing up to the meeting. Or you get a reward for the way you conduct your JSA, the way you engage your workers. You don't get a reward for filling out the form every day. Error number three, the delay error. Remember late, uncertain, and positive is pretty weak on the reinforcement scale? The longer we wait to reinforce good behavior, the weaker its reinforcement will be. Field presence is key here. 
we have to reinforce good behavior when it is happening. The more immediate, the better. Unfortunately, most organizations struggle with field presence. We are all so busy. I've said this before, but management field presence is critical to safety performance and culture development. I've spent decades listening to worker wishes for management to come out in the field to observe the reality of workplace conditions so they can see the true challenges that workers face day to day. It's the blue line in human performance. Work is imagined versus work in practice. It's the iceberg of ignorance. Workers know the most about the hazards and challenges they face in the real world. The higher you go up the org chart, the less people actually know. Field presence is also detrimental to behavioral reinforcement. We have to reinforce positive behavior when it occurs. We can only do that out in the field, when workers are doing the right thing in the field. Since we can't be out in the field every hour of every day, when we are, we have to reinforce good behavior when it is occurring in front of our eyes. Think about the last two examples. I need to reinforce a worker when they come up with a great idea in the safety committee meeting. Not two months later when I track how many times they signed the sign-in sheet. I need to reward the supervisor when he has that engaging JSA conversation. Not a month later when I tallied up all his forms. When we are thinking about rewards and recognition, Specific systems for field presence must be part of that conversation. Are our leaders held accountable for field presence? Is it something that we measure, observe, and a corporate value that is non-negotiable? Field presence is critical to behavior reinforcement. And one more thing, do we also reinforce leaders when they are out in the field reinforcing others? So when we are in the field, we need to make time to deliver positive reinforcement without the butts and without the crap sandwich. When we are in the field, we need to devote specific time to search for what workers are doing right and delivering some genuine reinforcement without correcting things. And this is hard. It's so hard to not find the negative. But it's imperative we devote significant time to just finding what is right and reinforcing it immediately when it is happening in a way that works best for unique personality types. There's another concept that can really help with this, team building. Since no manager can be out in the field daily to do this work, we're going to need some help. Reinforcement efforts need a team approach to increase the immediacy of positive recognition. We need to filter these concepts down to the frontline supervisors and really even the coworkers. The more we teach these concepts down the org chart, the more soon certain positive responses we can create. The seasoned guy should be trained and developed to deliver good reinforcement to the new guy. If you have one of those green hard hat mentor programs, is positive reinforcement part of that? It should be. 
All of this flows right into the next common error, the frequency error. One attempt at positive reinforcement will not change behavior. B.F. Skinner says it can take 50,000 reinforcers to change behavior. Annual or even monthly rewards are nowhere near the frequency of reinforcers that change behavior. If we want positive reinforcement to really work, it needs to happen daily, which is why we need a team approach. Unless we were going to hire a bunch of people to just walk the job and give out positive reinforcement daily, we need to educate and develop these skills throughout the leadership layers of the organization, all the way down to fellow co-workers. Recognizing positive behavior and delivering good reinforcement needs to be a major component of our culture improvement efforts. In our culture assessment work, it has historically been the thing that organizations struggle with the most. Behavior reinforcement is the driver of a culture that companies tend to score the lowest in and struggle most to improve. I've said this before, but delivering positive reinforcement is not an innate skill set. It's a practice that is taught, guided, developed, and coached. An accountability measure is essential to make sure it's actually happening out there. Our brains are wired to look for what's wrong, especially in safety management. Our limbic brain is always looking for the threat in the room. Safety management by nature is over-focused on what is wrong, what the hazard is, what the violation is, where people don't have the right stuff, where they are doing the wrong thing. For the safety profession, our greatest challenge is the long history of developing people to manage safety by looking for what's wrong. One study of classroom teachers shows that a four-to-one ratio should be our goal. If you give four positive reinforcers for every negative you need to address, you're on the right path. And what I don't mean is a four-to-one crap sandwich. What I mean is, can we go out into the work world and consistently give positive reinforcement when the good behavior happens on its own without the but for every other time we had to address one negative thing? If I spend one hour walking the job, looking for hazards to address, can I spend another four hours just looking for good behavior to reinforce? If you think about this ratio, we are probably so off balance, we aren't even at the opposite end of the scale. Are we even at a four negative to one positive ratio? This is something to reflect on, to generate awareness. Could you tally up how many hazards you found in one job walk and compare them to how much isolated, positive, unique feedback you gave without the but? Take a look at the ratio and see how far off you are. The realist in me knows I'm asking a lot here. This idea that we educate everyone in these concepts, measure it, observe it, and hold everyone accountable for it is a lofty goal, especially in safety performance and the construction industry. But
But this is what great would look like. If this is the goal we have in mind, and we are educated and personally accountable for that goal, we will move forward. Our culture will improve. It could take years to really instill these concepts in our safety cultures, but if we try consistently, we're on the right path. We're on the roadmap. These concepts can be taught in so many of the things we already do. We can teach them in foreman meetings and safety classes. They have benefits beyond the work world. Our people have spouses and children and relationships outside of work that can benefit from our influence abilities. When we think about the frequency error, we can't just have a one-and-done leadership class on developing positive reinforcement. It needs to be a continual conversation inside of regular meetings and training that we already do. In the form and meetings, we should be asking about the good behaviors we have seen. We should be talking about how we are improving our reinforcement delivery and our abilities. It needs to be a frequent, ongoing effort. As a start, we need to educate people on the flaws of the butts and the crap sandwiches. We need to teach people that positive reinforcement must be unique to the individual. It must occur when people do the right thing. It must only happen if they do the right thing, and it has to happen consistently. Beyond teaching it, we need to observe it, measure it, and hold leaders accountable for it. But to do this work, we also have to give leaders some time for field presence devoted specifically to catching people doing something right. And we also need to reinforce our leaders when they do it right. Hope you all have a beautiful reinforcing day. Hey there, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.